welcome. Join Dr. Muji, a psychology professor at the University in Ohio, and her daughter, Iyabode, a research scientist in California, on a journey of how to make the most of what life throws your way. We hope to make today's podcast as informative and lighthearted as possible. So sit back and join us on this adventure. Welcome to part two of The Bystander Effect. We are so thrilled that you enjoyed the first part enough to actually come and listen to the rest of the episode. This portion is a bit more personal. We include some of our personal experiences as they pertain to The Bystander Effect. As we touched on during the first portion of discussing The Bystander Effect, Although we recognize that there are more public examples and cases that all of you more than likely are aware of, we wanted to add some of our own prior experiences. And this is not at all comprehensive. I think we both have many more of these examples. However, we definitely wanted to include that for the discussion and also too for anyone who perhaps was struggling to relate to understanding the phenomenon. We're hopeful that being able to share these experiences lets you know that the bystander effect will manifest and it will appear in different forms. And so the better equipped all of us are about the phenomenon, the more likely we perhaps would be able to intervene to help others or potentially receive help from others if we unfortunately ever end up being in a situation in which we are the quote unquote victims in that moment in time. And so with all of the introductions out of the way, let's jump right back in. Can the bystander effect ever be positive? Can it ever be a good thing? Yes, it can. We can increase helping behaviors or pro-social behaviors, such as assisting an individual in need, sharing personal resources, volunteering time, effort, and expertise, cooperating with others to achieve some common goal. People are more likely to behave well when they know others are watching them and when their actions match their social identities, their personalities, social skills. For instance, if they have more confidence, assertiveness, empathy, cooperation, or in terms of social cohesion, that is the extent of connectedness and solidarity amongst groups or in terms of addressing misogynistic peer norms in which the focus is sexual aggression. For example, someone who identifies as pro-environment will make more effort to recycle when the person believes others are watching. Targeting experiential attitudes and individuals' affective feelings toward behavior, instrumental attitudes, which is an individual's evaluation of behaviors, outcomes, descriptive norms, which are perceptions about how people do in fact behave, autonomy, which is independence in one's thoughts or actions, and capacity, that is ability, capability, or fitness to do something, will enhance people's intentions to intervene in negative or harmful incidents. Children's literature is a promising medium to facilitate elementary-aged students' access to social-emotional knowledge, skills, and behavioral change that will result in positive bystander behaviors. 
The use of children's literature is quite creative, especially since we start to grasp so much of what's appropriate social behavior as children. And to then have this early understanding that as observers, we can be a positive contributor to another person's situation makes us then feel more comfortable as we get older to actually do so. However, there also has to be that calibration where, as I've mentioned, we aren't just involving ourselves constantly in what others are doing because we allegedly want to potentially help them. And with this frame of mind, there are other cases. I think actually the news is a fascinating place to observe and see so many different psychological concepts and phenomena at play because I could go on another tangent, but for the sake of time, let me get back to focus. If anyone's interested in even addressing this or revisiting my concern as to how some people might go above and beyond being upstanders or use that as an excuse to just get involved in other people's business and situation, we can have that discussion at a separate time. But are there any requirements to help another person in an emergency as a bystander? That's an interesting question. The answer is no. If, however, a bystander can help another person without risking his or her own life and chooses not to, people usually consider them negatively. The average person is typically under no legal obligation to help in an emergency, but some countries have adopted duty to rescue laws, making it a crime not to help a person in need unless doing so will be harmful to the individual or At the minimum, a person should call the local emergency number. Such countries include Greece, Italy, and of course, some states in the U.S. And I presume there could be some legal risk though, correct? Yes. If something goes wrong while one is attempting to help others in an emergency or in a crisis, the person may be held legally responsible. Such fear can be a major contributor to the bystander effect. Some authorities have passed good Samaritan laws as encouragement for bystanders to act, offering legal protection to those trying to help victims. However, these laws are often limited. And that can be the tricky part of this in that we obviously recommend being as best of an upstander as you possibly can be. However, there has to be some sort of appreciation that there could be legal ramifications if perhaps you've assessed a situation incorrectly or intervened in a way that does bring more harm than it does bring good. With that said, you still always have the default option to contact or reach out to others to offer help. And in many of our day-to-day situations in which we have the opportunity to be ideal bystanders or to not be part of the bystander effect, we know them very well. We are able to discern whether this situation is one in which we can jump in and make a difference to someone else's safety or just their well-being We absolutely know that. I believe so much in our listeners that you are intelligent, you are sharp enough to be able to tell the difference. We understand that there are some situations that will be trickier and we get it. We're right there with you in supporting that you take the safest route possible. However, in those day-to-day situations, so think back to the what would you do show. In so many of those situations, we're all sitting at home 
cheering on those that were brave enough to step in and make some sort of comment or reach out to someone else to help the person in need. And so think of that or embrace that in your day-to-day life and that instead of just sitting at home, watching the show and cheering on those people, be that person that you would want others at home to cheer on. Be that person that you would want to do the best to help another person in a dire situation. And these don't have to be at the grandest scale. It could be at the smallest scale where perhaps you call the attention of others to help support your intervention or you even just call the authorities do something and set the goal to be an upstander. Even if it doesn't feel natural, I know for me, it doesn't feel natural. So it's stepping outside of your comfort zone, but it's also recognizing that it's another human being. It's someone else that if the shoes were reversed, you would want other people to step in. You would want other people to show their support and show that they care that you're just existing. The fact that you're another human being makes you worthy to be cared for. I mean, It's something that, like I said, I know it's not the easiest thing to do, but it's worthwhile. And even for me, I'm also telling myself this and reinforcing it with myself because I want to do this more. I want to be that person who is able to take some personal responsibility, even for people I don't know, just for the sake of their well-being. Because those people have family, they have loved ones, they have friends, they have other people that care about them. And you being in that situation at that time, it means something. It gives you the ability to be able to impact that person, to be able to impact that person's loved one so that they're not receiving unfortunate news or hearing an unfortunate story. I'll get off my soapbox. However, let's go ahead and make the bystander effect a bit more personal because I know that for my mom and I, we have so many examples. I shouldn't say it so dramatically as if we just have endless cases where we've been bystanders or been the quote unquote victim, but we do have examples that we wanted to share with all of you and that we quite frankly hope that you can connect with and relate to. And we hope that it helps get the gears turning in your understanding of why it does make a difference to be more of an upstander versus just a passive observer of unfortunate events that are taking place around us. And so mom, how have you yourself handled your own bystander experiences? Oh, I have several examples, both as an inactive bystander and as a target not offered assistance. Regarding the former, During one of our extended visits to Nigeria many years ago, your father and I were driving from the northern part of the country back home in the south. We came across a very serious car accident with several other travelers stopping, um, assuming to assist. We stopped to observe for a while, but I insisted that we not get out of our vehicle because there was already a crowd of helpers. Your dad, as our driver, desperately wanted to join the crowd and see if we could be of assistance. But when I reminded him of stories that we had heard in which similarly looking accidents had been ploys by armed robbers who later attacked the intended helpers, he agreed that we leave the scene. And as a target, many years ago, before you were born, my car had a flat tire and I was so sure that when I got out to attempt to change it, I had this self-talk. Me, a young-looking, pretty, well-dressed woman, there will be a good Samaritan who would stop to help me. Alas, this did not happen. 
I changed the tire. I was somewhat disappointed that many vehicles passed me by and no one stopped to help. Again, probably because those people were not sure if it was safe for them to help me. That's karma in a way. The good news is that on another occasion, when my vehicle had a flat tire, several people stopped to help. And the man helping me told them not to worry as he had the situation under control. He was probably hitting on you. He was probably thinking, (laughs) let me just get her alone. (laughs) No, I'm very proud of you that you even could change your own tire. Listen, if my car has any sort of issue, I automatically assume that I can't fix it. So I'm very proud of you. I think you've set a good example. However, I'm not following. And it's funny too with the first example you gave, especially knowing dad, because for our listeners, my dad, he is a special man. He's wonderful, special, very special. Knowing him, I'm not surprised that he would want to stop, but I think partially he probably wanted to stop because he also was curious to know what was happening. He would want the full scoop and the full story firsthand. And even growing up, he was always in my business. He was always in my business, in the business of my brothers. Even to this day, he still is. He definitely was the parent. So out of the both of you, he was the parent that satisfied the helicopter parent definition. And he practically wanted to know every single thing I was doing from the moment I woke up to when I went to bed. Actually, he probably also wanted to know what I was even dreaming about. But to (laughs) this day, he always just wants to know everything. And even on the road with him driving when we were younger, when I was much younger and he'd be driving, and if he'd see another car maybe swerving or doing something even slightly odd, he'd crank his neck to assess the situation as he drove past them. He was always (laughs) that driver. That would do that. I don't know if any of you can relate to seeing other drivers who do that to you, or maybe for a split moment, you just, I don't know, did something strange and then have some random stranger just glaring and looking into your car to see what you're doing. That is my dad. So I think in that case, he just wanted to see what was happening. Forget wanting to help them fix cars. In fact, does he even know how to fix cars? I don't think he knows anything about car fix. I don't think he knows one thing about car repair. So I'm certain he just wanted to see what was happening. But um, for me, when I think of the times when the bystander effect has been the most glaring, the one that just sticks out the most to me, probably because of how raw and emotional I was at the time that I just can never forget this. It was um, actually when my brother passed away. This is about two years ago. And immediately before he passed away, he had been in hospice at home. And so So I was already traveling back and forth from his place to mine. And then also at the same time, just coincidentally traveling a lot for work. And so the day he passed, um, it was tough because it was just a few days after I'd left him. And I'll never forget, I received the news from you in a taxi. And from the moment I received the news in that taxi, I cried as in I didn't stop crying whether it was at the airport when I was attempting to change my flight so that I could go be with all of you um, the entire way, as in in the airport, in the lines, at the check-in counter, waiting, boarding the flight, on the flight. It was just waterworks the whole way through. 
And it's interesting because up until that point, I felt as if I had always been able to keep it together, even with traveling, especially. I felt as if those were the moments when I would just, out of respect for my fellow passengers, I wouldn't have the waterworks going. But this day, it was too much for me. It was too overwhelming. It was too much. And I just couldn't. I couldn't help it. And the issue is I, of course, knew that I needed to get to all of you, but I couldn't keep it together the entire way. And so I'll never forget the number of people that were also traveling at that time, the number of people who were also on board that flight, the number of flight attendants, the number of just different people I encountered that shockingly would just stare or would just see me bawling my eyes out. Granted, I'm a silent crier usually, so without audio, but with the visual, they were seeing me in tears, clearly falling apart, and they would glare. There were some, I remember, as I was getting ready to board the flight that were just blatantly just staring. There wasn't even any attempt to offer consolation. There wasn't any attempt to just even give me the privacy of looking away so that I could continue to cry on my own. It was just glaring. And I'll never forget how much it made the situation even worse and how jarring it seemed that a lot of bystanders could see that you're non-threatening, you've passed security, you're at an airport, what are you going to do? What threat really are you? You're falling apart and obviously not able to keep it together. And just to not see the human compassion was really shocking to me. And I usually don't even expect that. And I get it that for all of us, life is very hard and you never know what the person next to you is going through. So I don't expect for any other person to attempt to be my source of comfort. I just didn't expect it to be that I'd receive just the staring. For me, when I think of the bystander effect, I think it comes in different forms, but I do feel as if I have more courage to intervene. And even if it's just letting people know that in time it'll be okay, or even if it's just that I give them the courtesy of looking away or give them the courtesy of having their space to process something, I feel a lot more confident and well-equipped to do that for other people because I know what it's like to be in that situation. And I, frankly, especially after a lot of the discussions here today, I do feel it's more of my responsibility as a human being, as a citizen of this earth with my fellow citizens. It's my duty if I see someone in distress or I see someone where I could perhaps intervene or I could reach out to others to intervene. There's no reason why I shouldn't do so. I understand it's important to assess the situation carefully and ensure that I'm keeping everyone as well as myself as safe as possible. But I do feel more empowered, even though I can't say I have been when I was younger or at different stages of life, but I feel more empowered in knowing that it absolutely is my duty. It's something that I should prioritize in doing something versus just being a bystander and just observing. It is disturbing to envision a situation where I would just sit back and observe and think that, well, there are countless other people around, so they'll do something. I'm sickened by that idea at this point in time in my life. And I would absolutely encourage others to assess themselves and assess their situations and assess just who they want to be. And even think back to the what would you do show once again, would you want it to be that your family at home, your friends, anyone else watching that show is seeing you and can't believe that you would just let others be treated in a certain way and stand around for it. So that's my ask of everyone. That's what I encourage you to do. Once again, we want you to be completely safe. However, we also recognize that there are many situations where it's really just doing a disservice to yourself and to others to just sit back or stand by. All right, mom, do you have any final words about today's topic that you would like to share with our listeners? 
I was listening to you intensely and I felt for you. I just felt for you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, um, I don't think I've shared that with you before, right? I don't think I've shared no, that experience no, with this haven't. Yeah, it's the first time I'm hearing it, so yeah. I'm touched. I want our listeners to remember always that bystander responses can vary along three major dimensions, helpful to unhelpful, that's one, two, safe to unsafe, and three, direct to indirect. And just as how Yabodi has eloquently said a couple of times during this conversation, you are the best judge of what your responses ought to be as a bystander. The ideal is that you want to be helpful and safe as you provide direct or indirect assistance. And that's a wonderful way to summarize it in that we trust you. We know you, you're listening to us. So we already have the highest respect for you to begin with, but we trust that you are the best judge of what your responses ought to be as a bystander. And we just encourage you and challenge you to be as much of an upstander as you possibly can be. And so mom, we're ready for your quote. I'm excited to hear what you have in store for us today. So let's have it. Okay, my quote for today is by Judith Lewis Herman. Quote, it is very tempting to take the side of the perpetrator. All the perpetrator asks is that the bystander does nothing. He appeals to the universal desire to see, hear, and speak no evil. The victim, on the contrary, asks the bystander to share the burden of pain. The victim demands action, engagement, and remembering. End of quote. Well, that is all for now. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes, we want to hear from you. Give us feedback on what you heard today and suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. You can email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com. That's catchingcurveballs at gmail.com, all one word. Or you can follow us on Instagram at catchingcurveballspodcast. That's catchingcurveballspodcast. Be sure to share all your thoughts, all your commentary, and keep an eye out for upcoming episodes. We cannot wait to connect with you soon.